This is episode number 191 with founder of the Machine Learning Society, Tristan Blake. Welcome to the Super Data Science Podcast. My name is Kirill Eremenko, data science coach and lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you inspiring people and ideas to help you build your successful career in data science. Thanks for being here today. And now let's make the complex simple. Welcome to the Super Data Science Podcast, ladies and gentlemen, super excited to have you on the show today. And today I bring to you a friend of mine, somebody who I met just recently, but we instantly connected, Tristan Blake. Tristan is the founder of the Machine Learning Society and the creator of the Co-Network. And this podcast is full of adventure. You will hear courageous stories of going from finance into data science, going from not knowing anything about analytics to founding the Machine Learning Society and creating social networks for data scientists and many, many more. Tristan is a great example of a person who isn't, doesn't have the background in the field of machine learning or statistics or data science, but can see the value of this field and how it's growing and is fearless about jumping straight into it and doing things about it. We'll even talk in this podcast about how Tristan is working with San Diego to create a smart city in San Diego to make it one of the most progressive cities in the world. So this podcast is full of various courageous, exciting stories about machine learning, data science, technology, smart cities, social networks, and much, much more. So buckle up for an exciting ride. We're going to jump straight into it. But before we do, I wanted to let you know that this podcast is also available in video version. So if you want to see the video of our conversation, um, and maybe it might feel a bit more personal to you, if that's your preference, you can find it on YouTube. We don't often record video podcasts, but in this case we did. So if you have the opportunity to do so, maybe head on over to YouTube and you'll find the link there. Or you can go just to straight to www.superdayascience.com slash 191 and the video will be available there. If not, it's totally cool to listen to this podcast on audio. So let's dive straight into it. Without further ado, I bring to you founder of Machine Learning Society, Tristan Blake. Welcome to the Super Data Science Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Very excited to have you on the show today. And on the show, I've got a very interesting, fascinating guest, I would say, a good friend of mine, Tristan Blake. Tristan, welcome to the podcast. How are you going today? Doing good, doing good. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's so, so exciting, man. Like uh, for our listeners, I wanted to say that when we actually met uh, in, this was in San Diego a couple of months ago, and it was, if you remember, it was the 4th of July, right? So there was supposed yeah, to be Yeah, that's right, that's right. And I was so looking forward to seeing those fireworks, never seeing the 4th of July fireworks. But Tristan and I, we caught up, um, uh, and also Paolo was with us, our event manager at Data Go. We caught up and we were at this... Um, like bar just chatting and we chatted all through the night right like we finished you know yeah. i think it was all, almost at midnight or so so missed all the fireworks man so you owe me some fireworks right all right all right sure yeah i'll give them to you on this uh, podcast <laughs> <laughs> sounds good sounds good um well just maybe like as a as a bit of a background i i, I read a article that's um 
was written or like an interview with you. Um, and it was fascinating. I didn't actually know this part of your story, so I'll just quickly mention it if you don't mind, and then maybe you can take sure, it. Sure, sure. So mm -hmm. you, as I understand, you like you don't have a background in machine learning or data science. You studied uh, international finance, uh, international uh, relations and diplomacy. Yeah, international mm -hmm. relations and diplomacy. And then you decided all of a sudden to get into machine learning. You came to San Diego. Uh, you had severe stage fright, and you didn't know anything about machine learning. And yet you organized a meetup about machine learning. And got 50 people in the room, got a panel of, you know, machine learning experts. And from there it went. And now you're, uh, you know, uh, in the head of the Machine Learning Society, which has thousands of members, has been in four, over four different cities and has hundred over 100 different, has had over 100 different meetups and all these crazy things. So take us from there. Like, how, how did this all happen? Why machine learning? So, um, you know, uh, the, the story it's hard to pinpoint exactly where it starts. And I think actually it often changes where the origin point is. Uh, but I remember getting this feeling uh, in New York. I was working in finance uh, uh, in the family office world. Uh, and I was managing a lot of money for a very wealthy Chinese family. Uh, and I would go to these really uh, interesting meetings where there would be billionaires from some of the biggest and uh, most well-known families in the world. Uh, and they would talk about investing, right? But when, when I'm talking about investing, they would invest in, you know, a, a hundred million in this project. They would buy a building for 200 million. Uh, and I'm the only guy in this room that didn't come from Oxford or any one of these schools. I'm not from a rich family, uh, quite the contrary. So I, I, I was basically working with these family offices, uh, helping them invest. And uh, anyway, I, I watched a story on, on the TED Talk um, from a gentleman who did some really interesting drone work and he would navigate his hand and the drone would move and I just got this impression that there was this uh, un almost an unlimited source of power uh, um, hidden in this technology but uh, power to change the world in, in profound and, and, um, and really positive ways you know to make all of the things that people struggle to do um, seem uh, in the, just it, it, the technology would disappear uh, into the fabric of your life, right? It wouldn't be something that you struggle to pull out and charge your phone. It would just always be charged. Um, so anyway, I went to this meeting and I wanted to see what were they investing in and were they really holding a secret on some really interesting companies in artificial intelligence or, or genomics, for example. And I asked these family offices, you know, there's a little semicircle of people around me. Um, what are you investing in? And they looked at me and they said, Ah, just core real estate. We just bought a, 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 a hospital and we're converting it to a condo. And they were so proud of this uh, investment uh, uh, portfolio, you know, product. And I just thought, oh my God, the wealthiest people on earth are missing the biggest opportunity in history to invest in, uh, in human quality of life and also make a lot of money, right? There's a lot of wealth to be generated. And a lot of good to be done. And that's the power of this revolution, uh, I think, that um, it allows us to uh, do good and benefit as a result of that. Whereas in history, you had to make compromises. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, I totally agree. And so, and so that's inspired you, and as I, if I'm not mistaken, for the fourth time to start your life again and get a ticket to yeah. San Diego and start into machine learning. Where do you get the you courage know, to do something like that? 
so yeah, leadership and courage. Uh, that's that's two of the things that I've been working on and thinking about for quite some time. Um, you know, uh, those are learnable skills. Um, uh, one of the I, I, one I think one of the benefits of coming from a good family or coming from uh, you know a family that uh, that has a lot of success is actually they teach you how to be a good leader and they teach you when to have courage. I, I think that is the most important. Um, a discipline uh, to teach your kids, quite frankly, uh, because everything stems from there. All right, your confidence, your um, uh, you know, your aggression when necessary, your uh, creativity uh, directly applied. So, um, so you know, getting back to it, uh, I came to San Diego because I, I felt some kind of energy here. Gotcha. Okay, and so tell us about the Machine Learning Society. You started off first meetup, fifty people attended. Fantastic result, and how did it grow from there to you know thousands of people nationwide, more than four different cities, hundreds of meetups? Well, so the the reason that I started the uh, the machine learning site in the first place was actually because um, I I didn't have the necessary grades to get into UCSD. I mean, it it, it would have it, it it was bad, right? My GPA. I'm not a traditional student. I'm not very good at mathematics, actually. Um, but I am very good at networks and human behavior, right? So the social thing, the invisible threads that bind uh, uh, human relationships. Mm -hmm. um, so that's a different type of math um, or abstraction. And I practiced that my entire life, and you know, hence diplomacy, international relations. But, um, but I wanted to contribute to science. And I wanted to get a degree in uh, potentially a PhD in data science so that I could start contributing to this whole data science uh, uh, world. I, I know the power of this, but I wouldn't be able to do it through a, uh, a mathematical uh, approach because I'm simply too weak in that. I, I don't think I have a strength, a natural one, uh, but, I do, but I am an artist essentially, and I am a community organizer uh, historically. So I decided to create community so that I could learn uh, data science from the people that practice it by putting on the events. You know, is, I mean, think about it, right? You create an event and you marvel at the knowledge that is exchanged uh, to you directly and to the entire audience. So it's almost crowdsourcing your own education, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, no, fantastic. It's like you, it's a, it's a learning on steroids, right? You, exactly, you learn yeah. from the best and, and, you, and you network with them at the same time. It's like you, you hit two birds with one stone. Fantastic idea. And that's, that's really cool. Um, uh, I guess that's kind of like nicely brings us to your new project, which you are wearing a logo of right now, the Co Network. Super excited, man. Congratulations. You just launched a Kickstarter. By the time this podcast yes. out is going to be about like, I don't know, two weeks into the Kickstarter. Really, really excited for you. Um, mm -hmm. I highly encourage everybody watching to go and check it out. It's going to be revolutionary. And Tristan, tell us why. What is the Co Network? And what, why is this going to change the world? So, so and the answer is, is in, the, in the Machine Learning Society. Um, when I was hosting events in, in New York, in Boston, in the Bay Area, uh, in San Diego, people would reach out to me from Florida, from uh, Israel, uh, Japan on occasion, and they would say, hey, I would love to participate in this event. How do I get a link? How do I uh, just meet the people that are there? How do I participate? And it was, so, it was, it was almost, you know, a little bit, um, it, it was sad that this person from Africa, right, from, I believe there's a gentleman from 
uh, Tanzania reached out. He's using mobile networks to predict a, a crop yields and uh, it, fascinating stuff. And this person is reaching out to me, uh, trying to connect to uh, to this community. And I didn't really have a way to plug them into this ecosystem unless I opened up the uh, you know the Lagos chapter or the Beijing chapter, right? And that's a lot of work on my part um, to organize and to essentially make it like a franchise. Mm. So I decided that instead of uh, focusing only on physical events, I would create a digital uh, experience or connect them digitally so that we could have a physical digital. And one of the early names that I thought of the project was Physidigital because <laughs> it has to blend seamlessly between meeting people in the physical world and then digitally exchanging information with them and then meeting back in the physical world again. Um, it has to be seamless. It has to be, um, you know, done in the right way. So I don't know. It was, it was one night I was, I was laying there and I just realized that the, it, I wasn't building a community anymore. I was actually building a social network. And that realization, it, it, it you know, it, it stunned me because just the change of words from community to social network truly changed the entire scale of the project. And I realized I'm not only focusing on data scientists, I'm focusing on data plus scientists. That's anybody who works with data or science. Uh, and that's a lot of people. Um, and that's a lot of subjects which are currently entirely un uncoordinated, not enough communication going on between those. We can break down those silos with modern uh, tools uh, like like a uh, colloquium, which is a chat room, for example, mm -hmm. um, uh, on TensorFlow or mm -hmm. a variety of other tags. Gotcha, gotcha. And uh, yeah, we were just talking about this before the podcast that even though there are existing social networks, you know, Facebook, uh, there's LinkedIn, you know, there's a couple of others. LinkedIn, for instance, is is great. Like it, you'd think it's a good opportunity for scientists to connect, but scientists from my experience don't really use LinkedIn. They don't, there's, yeah. there's an active professional network there. People get, go there to get jobs, to, you know, make connections or talk about to, like developing the skills. But in terms of science and data science as well, it's not really, um, a place where people go to hang out and do projects together. Like for instance, maybe they yeah. might do a project on Kaggle, things like that. So mm -hmm. I think you, you guys are, in a like found a very interesting niche to really connect scientists science together so tell us a bit about that how is it going to be different to the existing social networks sure so um so you know linkedin twitter facebook all those guys uh just like humans um you know i, I think you're a millennial is that correct yeah okay I we're born so the definitions vary right like but yeah I but i think we're, we're late millennials apparently mm. we're late millennials um uh, uh, companies are just like people in that they're born to a certain cohort. So, you know, the IBMs, Microsofts, and Oracles, they, they're part of this cohort of companies that, that live and operate on a similar premise from a similar age. Um, GE, you know, is very different in age and, and, and approach and culture to Tesla. Um, mm -hmm. I, I find that these companies, you know, especially the new ones that are being born, we have a totally different set of values. We're, uh, we're building uh, platforms that are appealing to a person, not only from a uh, use case and quality perspective and price, but also on whether we share their values. 
uh, and share their their ambitions, right? So you wouldn't go on my uh, network if you didn't believe in um, you know open data exchange in in hiring people not based on a resume, uh, which is a very old and quite frankly um, a broken system. Uh, you know you can't really fit too much information on a page, and most of that stuff isn't relevant anyway. And it's it's been so formalized for an ancient uh, uh, industry that it doesn't really uh, matter anymore today. Today, you need uh, either, a, you know, you, you wanna see somebody's projects and their code review, uh, not necessarily their, how much time they've spent at Google. That doesn't really matter. And I think we're going to, um, uh, you know, not to be facetious, but to kill the resume, uh, particularly in the sciences and the technology world. So um, I, uh, one of the things that LinkedIn, for example, fails to, um, fails to take into consideration uh, or, or, or do is, um, you know, create a specific type of profile uh, for scientists, right, that appeals to them. It asks them science type of questions. And that's because it's a professional network and it has a, a professional culture to it, right? You, you put on your suit and tie when you're on LinkedIn. Uh, on, on our network, you, you bring your, uh, you know, you bring your motherboard and, and a few uh, soldering wires, right? Um, you, you don't need to have a suit and tie on. And I think that culture difference um, is, is very important to consider when building this out. Uh, I want to ask people the questions that they are looking to exchange with others and how they find each, uh, how they evaluate each other. Um, you know, we're, we still haven't figured out what rules or, or um, methods do scientists use besides peer review or kind of their academic credentials to recognize whether another person is a good is a good fit for a project or for their team and that's really some of the territory that we want to go into um, in terms of behavioral research and um, you know studies uh, on high performance technical teamwork we really want to write some new literature uh, through our social network and, and that'll be actually by giving access to many behavioral psychologists uh, um, to our network so that scientists can study a scientific network Wow, that's so cool, man. That's that's. Uh, but I'm just just changing location here, just walking through this little forest sure, sure. Uh, type thing. Uh, but man, that is a really uh, interesting idea. So I can definitely see how scientists can benefit. You know, like you when we met up, you talked about um, co co researching things and like uh, working on research papers together. That's that's definitely and sharing research papers. You know, that's a, definitely a, a massive need right now. But what about data scientists? Can you tell us a bit more about that? Like, if I'm a data scientist, I'm listening to this podcast, what benefit mm -hmm. would I get from joining the co-network and who, who are the people I can meet there? What, like, maybe I can work on projects, get jobs, attend yeah. conferences. What are the things that are going to be available? Of course. So, you know, you would first, uh, uh, this is going to be ready in about three weeks or so. So um, you're going to open the homepage and you're just going to see a map with, um, People with people's uh, kind of um, almost like a conscious map where some of the uh, dots on the map are going to represent people that just made an action or created something, right? Created a, uh, an event or a job or posted a data, a data story onto their profile. Um, you're going to see an organic community of people that are creators, uh, particularly in the data sciences, in the computational sciences, let's say. This is a computational science focused network. Uh, we accept social science, 
but we we lean towards computational uh, uh, you know behavioral sciences, right? Uh, if 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 there are uh, if it's psychology, then it's behavioral psychology with a computational component. So um, you would be able to log in and see all the upcoming events around the industry, right? Are you going to be in New York between the uh, uh, you know February seventh and February fourteenth? Perfect. When you search February seventh and fourteenth uh, through fourteenth for New York, you'll see all of the upcoming events. Um, all the available jobs that um, um, many of the companies have posted there, and we have many uh, partners that are uh, can't actually can't actually can't wait to post uh, some of their open positions. They're they're quite frankly desperate to find CTOs and um, technical talent like data scientists and deep learning engineers, uh, big, and big and small companies. Right, we're talking about uh, some of the big boys, and we're also talking about some really novel and exciting um, uh, new competitive platforms that are going to solve problems um, uh, and compete with uh, right Google for solving maps or um, you know a new company that we're collaborating with um, it's it's actually doing events um, and it's quite a powerful platform so right distributed computing um, so using your GPU uh, on your uh, on your uh, you know computer and using your browser extension to funnel GPU power and you earn credits and then you share them with the network. These are the type of companies that are going to be joining the co-network, and you could talk to them right there, right? You'll be able to um, look at the innovator directory and find uh, not only all kinds of data scientists, but also uh, engineers of all kinds. So when you have a bioinformatics question, you can ask it in the bioinformatics uh, colloquium, which is our version of a forum. Uh, so it's really cool, yeah, jobs, Data stories. Data stories are kind of like medium. You post your own articles, and people can um, um, read them, review them, rank them, um, and and soon the academy as well, where we're going to post uh, popular books, movies, and and lectures that are uh, technical in nature, so that people can rank them, and you can have a um, an organic sort of a, a ranking system for these. Uh, academic for this academic literature and papers that people post okay wow very cool and so uh first question is this going to be free and second can you share the website where people can find this once it's live so average accounts will cost about a million dollars a piece um, <laughs> <laughs> no um look the, the reality is um you know for me uh, and this is very important it's it's not only marketing it's it's actually just Values and and the purpose of why this is all happening. Uh, we want to increase the speed of scientific uh, innovation, right? The law that governs um, the, the the rate at which you know you your battery in your phone changes, or the rate at which um, we're able to dissect um, you know the DNA and discover new um, uh, new treatments, new cancer drugs, right? We want to change that speed. And I think uh, my hypothesis is the speed of innovation is dependent upon um, how people meet and coordinate and collaborate and what kind of incentive structures are in place to bring them together. And today, well, it's not very much different from 4,000 years ago where you had to bump into a former classmate or uh, a roommate to potentially launch a project due to that trust being already built. What if uh, our network could append a layer of trust 
uh, as uh, us being the third party for a trusted marketplace for the exchange of ideas. So uh, think of it that way. We're, um, we're essentially a marketplace for the exchange of, of powerful new ideas and community, uh, and, and it's architected around um, um, community as a service. Okay, cool, very cool. So basically, uh, and the website? Uh, so, so this is interesting. I'm, I've been um, kind of toying around with a few different ideas. Um, there's one website, it's innovation-labs.co.co. And that's the, that's our co-innovation labs website. It, I call it the cortex because that's where our ideas live. Uh, that's kind of an explanation of what the whole purpose behind this website is, and and most importantly, all of our projects, all of our initiatives. Um, so that lives on on that website. But the uh, the website that we're talking about, the co network, um, you'll be able to visit it uh, in the near future. Uh, but uh, I, I don't want to give out the link right now because um, I, I have a, a, a surprise. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's Kirill. You know, I'm telling you, it's not going to be kind of like a software that you just launch and are like, oh, this is cool. A few things here and some things work, some things don't. Um, this is going to be a, almost like a fully fledged product that yeah. it's it's just going to allow people to do things that they've been trying to do for decades. And it's it's going to open up an entirely new um, um, just it, it, brain space for people to say, "Oh my God, I can use this for to do anything I want," and that's how it's been architected. So free for members, um, and if you want to start a organization on there, it's also free. But we charge um, about six percent for any ticket sales that we do for your events. So let's say you have a thousand dollar conference that you're hosting. Yep. We take six percent of every ticket. Uh, and three percent of that is actually for payments processing for like visa and stuff, and the other three yeah. is in order to continue building the site. Um, while recruiting, um, and I call that uh, uh, technical recruiting, uh, actually precision recruiting, that costs a hundred dollars a month for five jobs posted. Hundred bucks yeah. a month, five jobs, and uh, anything more than that, and we we uh, kind of go to our internal database and have our team help you. Uh, get the right talent through our internal network. Fantastic! Wow, and it's uh, man, like I've for our listeners, I've actually had the privilege of seeing this in beta when I was in San Diego. Tristan pulled out his laptop, and I was so impressed by the speed and just eloquence of execution. It was so just so natural, and like it was not nothing like what I've seen. You know, like all. Most social networks, they have kind of like the standard uh, website layout. You know, in the middle, you've got your um, what, what's been happening, type of home page and so on. Like on the left, you've got a bar on the right. This is completely different. The, co the colors, I don't know if you're going to change them, but the whole black and white was yeah. amazing. The maps, really, really impressive. And the, the like, um, how swiftly you got, got it off the ground, like you said, development didn't take that long. It just shows how organized everything is. So very, very excited about that. And it sounds like as well a, you know, you mentioned recruiting events, uh, careers and like people getting together to get a project. It's like a win, win, win for everybody in the sense that, you know, you got the recruiters, recruiting data science, data scientists who want jobs. You know, that's, that's kind of what, what we're trying Absolutely. to do at SuperData, bridging that whole mm -hmm. data science gap where recruiters often don't even know the, the correct requirements that they have to post, you know, like they post data science, data scientists with eight years of experience when data science hasn't even been around for that long. 
you know, th those right. types of things. So really, really excited about this. Oh, well, so actually, you know, um, one of the cool things is uh, I just started recording the first few episodes of our software development uh, reality show. Um, wow. And basically, you know, uh, really just think about it as just some regular guy uh, who is some uh, from the finance and has done a lot of traveling. But, you know, just, just some dude, me, um, with no scientific background whatsoever, with no development background. Um, basically decided uh, that he's going to build a platform that he sees in his dreams, right? I, I, I see something, I know it's going to work, and, and I want to release it to the world. And I just basically started building it in WordPress initially, the initial ML Society. A couple of people came to me and said, Tristan, what, this, how many users do you have? And I'm like, you know, 800. And they're like, how did you do that? Because it's so hard to sign up on your page, on your WordPress. And I'm like, oh, yeah, they're, they're hacking me again. And um, Oh, yeah, that plugin must have broken. Um, you know, I literally had broken plugins that were uh, solving a problem in another plugin because they would break the right part. So it was a really mm -hmm. unstable system initially. And then they said, Tristan, you know, we should build this professionally and, uh, and do it uh, the right way. And I'm like, I've been waiting for you for a year and a half now. Thank you. And that's what we did. We started building it. And actually, our team is out of Cuba, which is really cool. Um, f fascinating. Uh, they, they see it. They have a picture of, you know, when, when you have um, kind of an imagination, you, you show it to them and they get it and, they, and they, it snaps for them. And that's really hard. Uh, that's the difference between living in dead projects, whether your development team actually understands why you're doing this. Mm. Very cool. Okay, well, um, that's a very interesting and exciting description of the platform, and totally appreciate like why you don't want like you know spoil the fun right now. You you want to wait until everything's ready and release it then. Uh, I wanted to say to our listeners, very excited, Tristan. Uh, is it is it right you're joining us for Data Science Go this year? At, uh, that's correct. Yes. So yeah, and and I'm sharing it with my community. There we go. So if anybody wants to meet Tristan in person, and you know torture him a bit more about the details of this then you know you can catch up with him on data science by the way like uh i'd love for you to share your thoughts on our event with the audience like because i like paul and i gave you quite a lot of details mm -hmm. on what data science goes about when we met up in san diego what did you mm -hmm. think what is your first impressions and you haven't been to the event yet what are you what are you expecting so i went to that one event that you guys hosted and you know i i really just saw passion uh in people's eyes uh, and that's i mean this the moment i walked upstairs i saw people focused and learning and really paying attention um so which means something that you're doing is working because the room was full i think there was like 160 people or something and uh, and everybody was really intent on learning so i met a lot i saw a lot of familiar faces and a lot of friends were there um, I thought I thought that was done splendidly. I really enjoyed it. I think you guys had an extraordinary um, poise. And for this conference, I'm really excited because I host conferences too. So I kind of like to see um, my quote unquote competition. Um, interesting. Well, let's talk about competition uh, in a second because I think that's a relevant point. But uh, when I look at other conferences, the ones that are not uh, uh, created out of ML, Machine Learning Society or Co. I always look at what, how are they doing it? What culture do they have? 
Um, are the people connecting after the event? Are they actually building relationships post-event? Or is this just a one-time thing? And do they go back home and almost as if it never happened? You know? And I think that's the organizer's responsibility to be the, 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 the person that connects all the people there and makes them feel comfortable enough to exchange uh, information and go to the next day with and take that idea and start transforming it into a reality. Awesome. So I, awesome. I want to see that. I want to see you guys do that. And, and I'm happy to uh, uh, help in any way because uh, I think San Diego, uh, you guys are doing it in the right place. Um, yeah. you, every, everybody here knows my thoughts about that. But um, San Diego is the next capital for science and technology, almost like a classical Athens in the making. Um, one of the cool things that uh, we just launched, and you could actually go and um, register to be a volunteer or, or just to learn more about it. So, um, and actually, you've never heard about this. Uh, I, we, I didn't have it uh, um, ready at the time. So, you know how there's the Nobel Prize in um, Sweden and, and um, Norway every year, right? Yep. Well, I mean, you know, number one, it's been around for 100 and 30 plus years or something and it's also go it's, it also takes place very far north uh, in a place where science and technology it really isn't the center of uh, discovery or scientific revelation but uh, San Diego um, you know Orange County LA San Francisco Seattle uh, China right uh, Asia Japan all, all these places, this almost like a ring of fire or, or, or this circle, this Pacific uh, nations are creating most of the science that's coming out right now in, in almost every field. So I think what we need is a new reward, uh, award ceremony called recognition. Um, the cognition is capitalized. So it's actually recognition or recognition. And it's an award ceremony that's going to be focused on um, uh, awarding not only discoverers of this technology or, or this, you know, branches of science, uh, particularly emerging tech, right? We're talking neurotechnology, brain-computer interfaces, uh, new battery systems, new energy paradigms, um, robotics, AI, blockchain, right? Cybersecurity. These are all categories that we could award in, but we want to give the prizes every year to um, not only the discoverer, but also the entrepreneur. So in order to get a prize, you must apply this, this invention or innovation to something practical. And that really pushes entrepreneurship as well as academic uh, um, uh, creativity, right? Mm -hmm. Well, man, I never fail to marvel at how many things you are in you know from machine learning society to co-network to prizes uh very exciting and well what i want well, the co-network the co-network is uh, the people on the co-network are going to nominate the winners and, and oh, vote okay. on it using their weight so if you're an expert in let's say quantum physics um your vote would be much higher weighted for the quantum physics prize than the um uh you know blockchain prize let's say mm. Okay, gotcha. Okay, very, very, very cool. Uh, mm -hmm. I wanted to touch on San Diego. You mentioned, and I totally agree. And actually, you put me into onto this kind of mindset of uh, San Diego being, what's that? That's my that's my cup of the things I don't understand very well, but love still. 
<laughs> nice. So <laughs> San Diego, you, uh, you, you mentioned like it's a new tech hub, right? It's kind of like mm -hmm. the new Silicon Valley. Um, yeah. And you, you are personally involved in building a smart city in San Diego with the government of San Diego. San Diego. Mm -hmm. Tell us a bit more mm -hmm. about like your vision for San Diego. Why is it the next Silicon Valley? Um, well, uh, you know, number one, it's just location. Uh, as the um, center of power, political, social, economic, artistic, I think as well, creative, um, leads into the, into the West. And, and goes far west, um, right? You always go west in order to discover uh, uncharted territory. And I think this time we, we jump from the west coast of the US and go all the way across that huge Pacific Ocean into Asia, where uh, I imagine um, science will be, will, the science from there will dominate the next 30 to 50 years. Um, so, but I think San Diego can be this incredible conduit of ideas into the North American uh, sphere um, of influence. And essentially, um, if we build a, a fantastic relationship with, with the Asian giants today, uh, we can position ourselves to um, not only absorb ideas, but also technology, um, investment, right? Uh, and share with them to have an economic partner um, in Asia, potentially one of the biggest uh, empires in the world. And when I say empires, I, I don't mean in the classical sense, I mean in a, in a technology sense, right? Somebody that creates a lot of innovation uh, just to, from the sheer size of their population and their focus on education and mathematics. The, I think the Chinese are doing that right and there's lessons to learn for all the nations of the world. Mm -hmm. Wow, and I just have some some quick stats to support that. Uh, Peter Diamandis uh, from Abundance, from you know, like uh, we all know Peter, but like from the mm -hmm. from Abundance Insider, he sent one recently where, which was titled "China Spotlight Next AI Superpower," and he's mm -hmm. actually saying that uh, China is between 2017 and 19, uh, it's predicted to nearly uh, to have to account for over 35% of global economic growth, which is double mm -hmm. of what the U.S. has predicted at 80%. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. also, it had, China in 2017, so last year, China accounted for 48% of the world's total AI startup funding compared to America's 38%. So just yeah. some of those stats They're put investing. it into perspective. Like, you're absolutely right. That is, that is yeah. <laughs> Look, you know, um, and I work for a Chinese family office, so I was I was uh, aware of this phenomena, um, you know, as it was happening. Right. Uh, we had one point five billion in assets under management and much of it was uh, for uh, investment into uh, cloud computing technologies and some distributed computing uh, software um, that we were acquiring. So I kind of saw that the Chinese were were um, were not afraid of this technology and they were quite. Uh, um, aggressive towards acquiring these companies. So, you know, good for them. I think they're doing a great job and I want to say that publicly. And I think we should learn from, from them, um, you know, in, in, in that particular scenario. Uh, one of the other things that, uh, what makes San Diego special is uh, number one, it's, it's culture, first of all, right? It has uh, this interesting, this fascinating culture where we essentially we compete 
in order to uh, discover collaborations. So the competition is who collaborates the most. And that is a reality you can only find in non-fintech cities, um, like New York or San Francisco, where you compete on a zero-sum game, uh, um, game theory because there are limited uh, finances, there are limited funds, uh, limited resources in general, and you must crush your opponent to get their market share. Here, if you build a technology or some sort of scientific process, there's always room to build on top of that and improve, and every new company can effectively be two new companies born to um, satisfy that scientific demand, right, or that product demand. So I think science is fundamentally different than finance, and uh, that will become uh, omnipresent in the coming decade. And another thing is, um, right now there's a somewhat of an intelligence arms race going on. And I like to talk about this because um, the world right now is is changing, and people are finding where they belong. And they're moving to cities, for example, where, where scientists, right? The culture is scientific, so they're moving there. And, and essentially, if you've already won the intelligence arms race, you're only going to get more scientists and technologists and data scientists and that are going to start building local companies and your economy will flourish. Uh, the cities that lose the data scientists that don't appeal to them, they are unfortunately destined to buy our technology uh, in perpetuity. Um, or an interest, you know, if you want to put it that way. So right now is a very important time for for city administrators and government the people to make develop the proper incentives to attract data scientists, particularly, but scientists in general, uh, to attract them to come, or else um, they won't be able to keep up um, uh, in the coming years. I hope everybody on the podcast is listening to this. Data science is power, not just in a business sense but in a global economic and government slash cities and region sense that's very very exciting to be in i'm in international relations and diplomacy right i i I wanted to be a diplomat for a long time um there's a reason why i believe uh, being a um uh, a representative of a data science industry or sector or set of values is far more powerful than being any potential president uh, of any government. I think you wield uh, the power to create um, anything imaginable, and that and that goes far further than money or uh, um, military power. To be quite frank with you, intelligence, ownership of intelligence and ideas and data, is uh, is a type of power that uh, um, has only recently become available, and it's important to use this power. Um, to create good and to establish fair and equitable environments that promote not academic hierarchy, right? Uh, you know, universities, I'm looking at you. Uh, there's no, it, just because somebody's smarter than somebody else doesn't make them better necessarily, right? Tenured professors, they're no more special than non-tenured. Um, they simply have a designation. What I believe is there's a cutoff point for intelligence or activity. If you're intelligent enough, um, I only care about what you do, not how much more intelligent you are than me or or you or any other physicist. You know, I, I don't care about intelligence. I care about how much you've done 
And that's what our social network, the co-network, is going to promote. So, the, uh, you know, that's what we're focusing on. That's the culture. Culture tech. Well, it's a, in a way, culture of results. Yes. Yes. Okay. Paradigm shift. Yeah. Fantastic. And that's, uh, that's, for instance, what we're building at uh, our own company at Super Data Science. That, that is, you know, like, at the end of the day, results are what matter, right? Like, yes, mm -hmm. efficiency, yes, um, knowledge and everything else is those are tools in your toolkit but at the end of the day uh -huh. uh, results is what you bring to this world and that's that's what's important okay uh -huh. uh, tell us a bit about uh while we're on the topic of cities like this podcast has been all over the place and like you know we about machine learning uh, co networking and and events and stuff like that well now that we're on topic of cities uh tell us a bit more about what is a smart city and uh, if you can disclose anything about san diego like why why do you see that it is becoming a smart city? What does that mean? Okay, so um, I have this intuition that uh, the future of our economy, uh, particularly in San Diego, um, is a city that uh, sells city services to other cities, right? So imagine an entire grid infrastructure, uh, electric or water grid. Imagine an entire uh, almost uh, I, would, I call it a synthetic infrastructure, right? That communicates and uh, an intelligence that lives inside the wires is able to coordinate civil activity, traffic and parking, um, uh, pollution. It's able to manipulate all this in real time and ingest this data, right? Emergency services. Um, some cities are going to figure out how this works very well. And they're going to start growing quite rapidly. Um, and then they're going to realize, and this is something that I've been talking to the San Diego government about, is you'll actually be able to sell this service to other cities, right? Cities that need a better way to manage their sewage systems or water resources, right? Uh, crop yields. Um, you can literally give them an entire framework on which they can build and they could rent that from you. So... The project that I'm involved in is called uh, Silicon Road and the Smart Border. And that's a project that I launched um, in tandem with, with a lot of these other things. It's a long-term project. And the effective goal of that is to make San Diego the first fully autonomous city on the planet. Um, wow. Yeah. Uh, now, now, many of the listeners might be thinking, this guy, where is he getting his money or time, or what's what's, or is this even possible? And I would I would just say the following: um, this technology today allows you to, uh, allows you to leverage it in unimaginable ways to coordinate literally millions of people online. You create a viral video that touches a that it can touch a billion people, and you could change the world by being in front of a billion people. Um, so uh, I think that powerful media is going to be able to make San Diego appreciate its true economic value, right, as the capital of artificial intelligence and biotech and some other fields like robotics, actually, I would say. Um, and it's already been successful, you know, it's just a matter of helping San Diego appreciate uh, its incredible um, scientific diversity. And once you give the data scientists confidence, right, uh, I think they start to uh, explore this new territory and uh, and build on top of it and, and truly start to appreciate um, the the benefits that come from uh, being a data scientist in in the 21st century. Wow, 
thank you. Very uh, cool description, and it's interesting to see. It will be interesting to see how quickly that takes, uh, you know, takes on form. Because I totally agree that it's all possible. It's just a matter of time. You know how. Kirill, how much, it's you know, inevitable. It's inevitable. Yeah, like, it's all when, inevitable. When, when do you think it will happen? For instance, for San it, Diego, it doesn't matter. Uh, and 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 that's an important point, right? Um, when will this uh, recognition prize happen? As soon as possible, and that is actually dependent upon how much the community wants it. So I launch a project, and I leave it to our community to decide whether that is something that they want to support. Uh, we get we have you know I think over like 250 volunteers that have signed up to support this vision and to support what we're doing. Um, and it's only a matter of time before you reach a tipping point. And as a networks guy, as a, as a person who explores um, human um, social networks, right, uh, kind of different types of um, um, scientific networks, uh, financial networks, um, I think that once you align enough people and you kind of put them into this, uh, sort of make them feel like it's inevitable, um, it becomes inevitable. It's kind of a law of the universe. It's something that you uh, learn um, by creating smaller things, and then you just see how the bigger things can be done. Uh, it's just a scaling of very small projects. Okay, launching okay. this podcast is the same yeah. thing as launching that award ceremony. It's just a matter of scale. Okay, I, I got you. But then, like, I, I, I would like to argue that what what happens to technology you're in the space of technology and when you say i leave this project for the community to decide if they want it or not by the time they decide your technology might be outdated so inevitably you still have to update it yourself don't you think um so i'm i'm more interested in pushing and motivating people to um think bigger dream bigger um imagine larger um, that's the goal of our software development, the uh, you know project, the one that we're recording right now. It's basically to show you that if you have a dream, you you can create it. Um, you know, you need a little bit of capital. You need to be creative about that. But otherwise, a dream can become a reality through very specific steps. If you want to achieve a goal, whether it's lose weight or get a job at Google um, or build a global you know uh, social network. It's important to outline a vision of what exactly you want. Arrange your values. What are the what is the basis of how this is all going to work when it's done, and then create a plan. And once you have that, um, the, again, there's a tipping point towards inevitability that you reach once you've actually committed yourself entirely to making this happen, uh, which which I personally have. So um, it's only a matter of time. Uh, um, hell or high water. Gotcha. Okay. Cool. Um. Uh, Tristan, I usually ask this question at the very end, but I'll ask it now because I have uh, some something else in mind that I want to ask you. Uh, is there a book that you can recommend to our listeners? I know you read a ton of books, uh, and like just even in our chat, you mentioned like two really good ones that you recommended to me. What's a, what's a book that you would want to recommend to the listeners? Sure. So, so a couple of days ago, I um, I came up with a list of books that guide our values um, mm. at at the Co Network. I actually posted them into our team page. Uh, on our website, so innovation lab, innovation-lab.co. Um, if you go to the team, so it's, it's press kit and then team, you'll actually scroll down after you read about the team, you'll see all the books that we put together. Um, I think there's about 40 of them actually. 
Uh, each one is linked to our Amazon account. So if you buy a book, I think we get a dollar or something. So, you know, it's just a way for people to support us and also to uh, find some really cool books uh, and podcasts, which I'll add yours there, by the way, after this, uh, after this yeah. uh, uh, conversation. Um, they could find really valuable content um, all in one place. The book that I want to recommend is The Square and the Tower by Niall Ferguson. That's exactly the one I was thinking about, man. That's why I asked you this question because I was like, I got to ask him about The Square and the Tower, man. Tell us. Tell us about it. Like you, When we were catching up, you told me about Square and Tower. It's, it's about the value of networks and how they grow. Tell us yeah. you know, why. It, I think it's essential knowledge because it will give people more like a push to build their own networks their own not not like oh, yeah. build a social network, but like build a network of connections and uh, like grow their career that way so what what's what's uh, a summary of this book what's the most valuable stuff that you learn from it you know uh he starts it off right now ferguson he's this famous uh um harvard don this historian um he just has incredible books uh, this uh, um uh the West and the Rest, The Rise of China. You know, he has a lot of work on China. Uh, he's been thinking about, uh, he, I think he wrote a, a book about Henry Kissinger, an entire account of his life. Um, truly this political historian, um, a beautiful historian, one, uh, one of the people that, uh, you know, when you read the Dan Brown novels, you're reading about this guy's character, right? Uh, so the main character, it's, 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 he's like this explorer, a modern day explorer. And he takes you through a journey of how networks have existed uh, for, for millennia, and they're the ones that drive uh, human phenomena. So, you know, for example, this is a personal account, but I would imagine the, the World War II was not a war between people. It was a war between um, living and dying networks, right? The Thucydides trap. Uh, which is a famous uh, uh, situation in political theory where a rising power um, threatens a, a current uh, power. You know, it's a Thucydides trap that it's inevitable that they war. Um, that's part of this network analysis, this network theory. And um, if you really get into studying this stuff, there's a lot of fabulous ma just mathematics behind it. Uh, and, and the visuals are spectacular. And you really get to see how ideas spread from place to place, how culture manifests. It's the study of population-wide behavior um, that we are quite literally, we have, we know about it just as much as we know about DNA, which is less than a per percent, I think. Um, and, and in the next coming years, um, and what he outlines is that we're we're going to start seeing the world in much more in a much more networked fashion, and I totally agree with that because the moment my community became a social network, I understood its true power and potential, um, and by treating it like a network, um, you give it this new new type of uh, um, essentially these new capabilities. You start to um, provide it with the ability to connect to itself. You can. Or, architect the nodes and the communication systems in it. Uh, and you could even uh, layer it over other networks. Uh, I'll tell you this much. Um, he also talks about networks uh, collaborating with each other and attacking each other. Um, and I find that today is a great example of in the morning, my network essentially attacked um, uh, 23andMe's net network. 
uh, for turning off their API, uh, right, for scientific research, a, a really um, a move that was based on revenue and not on responsibility. Um, and, you know, and our network tonight is collaborating and, and blending together and, and creating value for, for this intersection. So if you look at the world through networks, uh, you start to see that they're alive, they're conscious, they exist and they govern human, um, they govern governments, they govern uh, small towns, they govern corporations, right? A corporation is almost like a living entity. It's, it's kind of conscious. It has its own consciousness behind it. And that's what a network is to me. Mm, fantastic, fantastic. And uh, even like in, even in legal terms, a corporation is, a, is treated just like as a human. Exactly, uh, exactly. So why is the book called The Square and the Tower? Um, because he, uh, he, he, I think he was, he was talking about a particular city in, in Florence or Tuscany um, where, you know, the square is where commerce is done. It's where the market takes place. It's where people come from all over and share and exchange uh, um, goods, right? The, the wine seller sells to the bread maker. The bread maker uh, bakes bread, which is used to... Um, you know, uh, do this, and then the sword maker sells it to this person to protect the bread maker. So it's this marketplace. The tower is this um, hierarchical structure. So that's a network uh, of of kind of like interactions that are almost a, a marketplace of, of of exchange. While that's a, a hierarchical, yeah, yeah, that's a square. The tower is a hierarchical structure. We're talking about you know, the military, the, the government, we're talking about universities, we're talking about systems that um, have a, a distinct uh, uh, leadership infrastructure and cannot bend or, 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 you know, breathe or create as fast as networks, but they're, but they're safer. And in different parts of history and in time, you know, uh, it's better to be a square than a tower. And I think today, uh, or, or a tower than a square, I think today it's it's obvious that it's better to build uh, digital uh, communities or digital uh, networks in the square because the tower is simply uh, it's unable to um, leverage this uh, opportunity right this 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 with this eight billion person soon ten billion person um, um, intel intellectual capability that's trapped in there. Um, the tower can't leverage that. It doesn't have enough hierarchical layers to layer all of that, while the square can invite billions digitally or, or millions physically, right? Yeah, yeah, well, very... It's scalable. Very, it's scalable. Yeah, scalable. yeah tower is scalable. At, at some point, it's going to start falling over, right? That's it, yeah. right, right. How far can you build the tower? So, uh, And there's also a little bit of, like, the tower can see the square and dominate it. Um, and it was very high up, kind of far away from the action, right? The king lives in the tower, uh, so he's unable to speak with the commoners or the people that are exchanging. He doesn't really, he or she doesn't really know what's going on there, and they make decisions based on a higher view uh, that affect the square. So, and the square affects the tower in return, uh, um, you know. So uh, that's that's kind of the fascinating thing. But uh, the reading is absolutely necessary. Um, uh, I would truly encourage you to pick that up and, and uh, explore the hidden world of, of these invisible networks. They're almost like, like they, they walk around. They're among us, if you really look.
Man, I was just I just looked up the uh, Metcalf's law, which is Metcalf's the value law. of a net, value of a network, and I just had a thought. Maybe the word square comes from the fact that the value of a network is proportional to the square number of the nodes. You know, the number of nodes squared. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of like an interesting play on words. That's but, interesting. Yeah, that's so, interesting. Yeah. So, but basically, I guess the uh, for uh, for me and for our listeners, the takeaway is that. First of all, great, like a very interesting book. I, I, I looked it up. I, I think I might have even got it as an audio I did get it as an audio book, but it's huge, man. It's like a really big book. It's not one of those quick reads. Yeah. Yeah. It talks yeah, about so, the Illuminati. It talks about secret societies. It, it talks about um, um, financial networks and, and modern social networks. It talks about um, how to design them and how to architect them, right? The different types. Uh, it's yeah. really, it's scientific. It's a scientific treaty treatise on this type of new technology. Uh, networks are technology, it's by, by all means. Gotcha, gotcha. So basically the takeaway is like, get the book if, you, if you're interested to learn more. But in general, networks have a lot of power. And if you're not like, you know, not uh, as passionate as Tristan about building your own social network, build a network of professionals around your scientists, data scientists, who will give you that power to leverage your career. A good uh, example that 70% of jobs are filled, job places are filled behind the scenes. They're never advertised. They're, they always happen through referrals, mm-hmm. connections, people know each other, internal hiring, and so on. The jobs Personal that we see are like, are like 30%, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, Tristan, uh, we've uh, come, this has been an hour, a very, very exciting hour. I know we've got like a ton of other stuff that we can be talking about and like so many things, I think we should do a follow-up podcast and maybe a bit yeah. after your co-network launches and you know you have some some initial user feedback and some stories, success stories to share. Would love to get you on board. Wanted to say a huge thank you for coming today. What's, thank you. What are the best ways for our listeners to get in touch and follow you or maybe you know join the co-network and other ways that they can get more info about your projects? Sure. So uh, visit uh, our website, innovation-labs.co. Um, and the reason we use .co, you know, we kind of want to, um, we want to have a little play on, on, on words and basically, uh, communities, they're, they're born out of conversation and collaboration while corporations, um, you know, they're born out of competition and conquest. These are two types of codes. Um, mm. we want to hybridize corporations and essentially make them like communities, right? So imagine a corporation that lives and breathes off of collaboration and conversations. Um, and if you want to do support that, uh, visit our Kickstarter campaign. Uh, it's up for another 30 days. Um, support us there. Share it. Uh, um, you know, send 25 bucks or something. You'll get this T-shirt right over here um, with a hoodie. Uh, and also just, just tell your friends about it. Um, we, we, plan to, we plan to release it in, in about three weeks from now. And it's going to be fully fledged i mean uh it's going to work uh in a way that you're actually going to be able to use it to search for jobs and in the next six months or so we actually plan to add uh, artificial intelligence to it uh because we are a data science community so we're actually going to host a hackathon to on the user on the user data that we generate um we're going to host a hackathon to see if we can uh, improve compatibility that's the name of our engine for uh, uh discovering opportunities between people and uh, you know, talent and companies. So join us for that hackathon. I'll be sharing information. But um, 
yeah, uh, check us out on that website and and follow us and follow our articles. Uh, that would be lovely. Perfect. Uh, and to make sure to follow uh, Tristan on LinkedIn as well to grow your network through his. So exactly. We'll be sure yes. On the, on the show notes well Tristan thanks so much again for coming on the show really appreciate your time and all the uh, comments and all the ideas you shared today and I can't wait to meet you again in person in San Diego in October yeah I look forward to it I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share uh, an update on our social uh, about the event I'm really excited about what you guys are doing I saw you have uh, Pablos Holman uh, coming so I've, had some, I've heard some really great things about that guy so congratulations on getting him uh, that's actually a pretty interesting talk I, I think it's worth it to go see just him, so yeah. look him up. I think he's like Microsoft's lead. He, he, public stuff, right? It's it's, uh, but there's private stuff that's really cool. Which yeah, yeah, he's worked with him. Gates and Microsoft on. on right. he, he's behind like the the laser that shoots down mosquitoes or something. Exactly, like that. Yeah, really cool. And then cool he's talking about data science. So it'll be fun. It'll be fun. I love it. I love right. it. Well, thank you so man. much, and and uh, I appreciate it. We got to do this more often, man. Uh, it's gonna be a lot of fun. Thanks, thanks a lot. All right, talk to you soon. Bye-bye. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you enjoyed this podcast. Once again, it's available on video, so if you listen just the audio version, you can always come and refresh later on and watch the video at www.superdatascience.com slash 191. I don't know about you, but personally, my favorite part of this podcast was just the general fearlessness of the way how Tristan approaches things, right? Like without a background in machine learning or data science or even technology, he sees the value in this and he jumps straight into it. And that is a huge testament that anybody can do it with any kind of background, with any kind of um, whatever you were doing before. If you see the value in this field, you can jump and you can replicate Tristan's success. You can create your own meetups. You can create, uh, you know, you can have a vision. You can. Uh, create really cool things in this space because you have technology and the data on your side. So that was my favorite part. I'm sure there are lots and lots of things, lots of valuable things that you got out of this podcast. Uh, as Tristan mentioned, he will be coming to Data Science Go 2018, which is in October this year. It's precisely on 12, 13, 14 October. So if you're coming, you will get to meet him there and network him with him. And he's a really cool guy to chat to. Uh, when we met for the first time, we met on um, the 4th of July in the US. I really wanted to see the fireworks, but we got so carried away. We were chatting for four hours non-stop. So I am really excited for you if you're coming to, because you're going to get to meet him along with lots of other influencers. we got 25 uh, talks and that means over 20 speakers are coming from all over the world to Data Science Go. If you haven't picked up your ticket yet, this might be one of your last chances to do so. Head on over to www.datasciencego.com. That's datasciencego, or one word, .com, and pick up your ticket there today. Secure your opportunity to network with some of the most forward-thinking, influential uh, data thought leaders in this space. And as always, you can get the show notes for this episode at www.superdatascience.com slash 191. Make sure to connect with Tristan and check out some of the exciting projects that he's working on, including the co-network. And on that note, thanks so much for being here today. Can't wait to see you back here next time. And until then, happy analyzing. <laughs>